Yesterday was my grandson Glenn's last soccer game, and uh, so I went. While I was there, Janie, my granddaughter, and I went to the concession stand. She wanted to get a nerd rope. I, I said, what's a nerd rope? She said, well, it tastes good. I said, all right, let's go get one. So we went over. And as we are going over to get the nerd rope, she said, Daddy, what did you get Gypsy for Mother's Day? And I said, Janie, I didn't get her anything. I said, she isn't my mother. I said, uh, my mother is in heaven. She looked at me and said, you know, Daddy, in some ways you're lucky. I'm not sure what she meant by that. I'll... Uh, let her mother work on that a little bit. But today, we are going to celebrate Mother's Day. Now, through the years, mothers have changed. They don't look like mothers used to look. I mean, when I think of my grandmother, she looked the same from my earliest remembrance of her until she died. She looked like Aunt B. Well, mothers don't necessarily look that way today. And it might be the reason is that when I was growing up, mothers were in the kitchen. Today, they're in the gym. And so things have changed. Mothers don't look the same. Their roles are not the same. The things that they do are different from the things they did when I was growing up. My daughter, Stephanie, and daughter-in-law, Emily, it seems, spend most of their time in the car, taking the kids from ball practice to music lessons to recitals. They don't even need a house. All they need is a garage for the car. But, but things have changed. What mothers do has changed. Shirley Hansen said that her son had, uh, had gone to spend the weekend with her mother, a little young son. And so while he was there with his grandmother, she's putting things up and she's putting clothes in the closet and so forth. And so he stood there watching his grandmother hanging clothes in the closet. He said, we don't have a room like this. She said, well, sure you do. He said, no, we don't. Yes, you do. We don't either. She said, well, what do you do with your clothes? He said, we keep them in the dryer. So, you know, clothes are in the dryer, dishes in the dishwasher. Things have changed. Mothers have changed. The way that they look has changed, and the things they do has changed, but our love for them is unchanged. We absolutely adore our mothers. Today I want to speak to you on the qualities of mom. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid, and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. 
Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I shall give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. As we consider mothers today, by looking at Jochebed, the mother of Moses, there are some qualities that I want you to see within a mother. First of all, a mother is protective. Now, every 12-year-old boy knows that. In fact, sometimes it seems to a 12-year-old boy that she is too protective. I remember when I was 13... I had gotten on my bike and gone downtown. I grew up in a small town of about 5,000 people, so it's not a big deal. But I got on my bike, I went downtown, met a couple of my friends who were there. We're hanging out and talking and having a good time, and time gets away. And and then I see this familiar-looking car coming in my direction, and I see my mother get out of it. And she said, Wendell, what are you doing here? Don't you know what time it is? Why are you not home? And I'm thinking, what are you doing here? Can a man hang out with his friends? I mean, we all know that mothers have a tendency to be protective, and sometimes for a child it seems to be a little too protective. Now, Moses' mother was protective because, you see, Children grow up in a dangerous world, and that was true of Moses. Now, if you look at chapter 1, verse number 15, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, and the other was named Pua. And he said, When you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth, and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. Now, Pharaoh's plan here was to control the population of the Hebrew people. And if he could diminish the population of males, then that would diminish the population of the Hebrews, and they could be controlled then by the Egyptians. But what I want you to understand is that when Moses was born, he was born into a very dangerous world. Our children also are born into a dangerous world. And so we worry about them physically. I mean, we're worried when they're little babies like we saw this morning that they're going to get some kind of disease. Now, parenthetically, I wonder sometimes, because you know when a child is born, they don't bring them to church for about six months. They take them everywhere else. And so I'm wondering, are we the only place around that has germs? But, you know, we worry about those children, that they're going to get a disease, and then when they grow up, that they're going to get hurt on their bikes, and then they begin to drive, they're going to get hurt in an accident. So we worry about them. We also worry about them because they live in a dangerously world morally. Ah, there's MTV, there's the violent video games, and you mothers worry about those things. What are the seeds that are being planted in the heads of my children? So we worry about that. We worry about them emotionally. Am I messing this child up? Everybody tells me I am. I wonder if I'm messing this child up. 
And so because the world is dangerous, mothers are protective. And that was true with Jochebed, the the mother of Moses. Now look at verse number 2 of our text. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket, covered it with tar and pitch. She put him in the, uh, the child into it, set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Now, Pharaoh had issued this decree that all the Hebrew male children were to be killed. So when Moses was born, his mother, in order to protect him, put him in a basket, put him in the Nile. And Pharaoh's daughter came by and found the child and took the child out of the Nile. Now then, look at verse number 7. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. What I want you to see here is that Jochebed, the mother of Moses was willing to give up her position as mother and become nurse to her son. Why? To protect the child. Now, the amusing thing is in verse number 9. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I shall give you your wages. Now, that's always been an amusing verse to me. Because they gave the child back to Moses' mother, to nurse him, and Pharaoh paid for it. I mean, his education, everything, the government is paying for it while she's taking care of him. But she gave up her position in verse number 10. The Bible says the child grew. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son, and she named him Moses and said, because I drew him out of the water. This mother was willing to become a nurse to her son in order to protect her son. You talk about a sacrifice? You talk about a protecting mother? She was willing to forego her position as mother in order to protect her child. Mothers are protective. They protect their children. There was a mother who had gone in to her little four-year-old son one Evening, she'd put him in bed, storming, lightning, thunder, all of that rain. And so she's trying to calm him and smooth him or soothe him and, and so forth. And the, uh, the little boy said, Mama, would you sleep with me tonight? And she said, Well, son, I can't. I've I got to sleep with your daddy. He said, With a big sissy? <laughs> Mothers protect their children. And a great example of that protective care is the story of Hannah. She was protective and, and, and committed. Hannah was barren, but she wanted a child. Boy, she prayed for a child. The Bible says she, great, and she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. She, she didn't have a child. She wanted a child. She prayed for a child. And here's what she said, God, if you will give me a child, then I will give the child back to you. And the Lord blessed her, gave her a child, and she supported the child in the decision that she had committed herself to. It it reminds me in the first church where I pastored, there was a young man, one of the students in our church. He had come forward, spent some time with me, came forward. He says, you know, God is calling me to preach, and, and we talked about it. But his mother took him aside, and she said, son, you are not going to be a teacher, and you are not going to be a preacher. 
But when I look at Hannah, I do not see that attitude. She was supportive of her son. The Bible says, and his mother would make him a little robe and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. She was committed to God's call on her son's life. Mothers are protective. There's something else I notice, and that is that mothers persevere. Jockeybed persevered. She endangered herself when she disobeyed Pharaoh's order that all the Hebrew male children are to be killed. She disobeyed that, endangering her own life. She sacrificed her position. She was willing to become the nurse to her son that she might protect her son. She sacrificed her position, but she raised her son. She had the privilege of raising her son in the things of God. She persevered during difficult times. As I look at the story of Hannah, she persevered. I think there were times in her life when she vacillated. You know, she made the commitment, God, if you give me a child, I'll give the child back to you. And there were times when she vacillated, I think. Now, her husband, Elkanah, was going to the temple to offer sacrifices after the child was born, but she didn't go. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 1.22, But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned, then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Now, as I read that verse, it seems to me like there's a struggle that is going on. It's a natural struggle. She had wanted a child. She prayed for a child. God gave her a child. And she said, God, I will give the child back to you. But now then she is struggling somewhat, vacillating somewhat with this commitment. She said, I'll stay here for a while before I take him to the Lord. But she persevered. She persevered in her commitment. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 1.24, Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. You see, with Hannah, she understood that Samuel was a gift from God. And she offered him as a gift to God. At great personal price. Now, I want, I want you to consider that, that here's a mother who had wanted a child. And God gave her a child, and now she gives the child back to God. Well, in doing so, she lost the daily affection of her child. You know, having the kid around, she didn't have that. Because her son was with Eli. I, I know that I told Stephanie the other day, I said, you know, it's strange to me in some ways, but, but when my grandchildren are gone for a few days, I really miss them. I never expected to. I mean, sometimes they'll drive you nuts, you know, you, you want to knock them in the head and all those things, but I really miss them. But she didn't have that. No, but no, there was something greater that she lost also. And that was her future provision. Because you see, during Old Testament time, it was expected that the child was to take care of the parent in old age. I think that still applies, Steph. 
But she gave that up as well. See, because she gave her child back to God, and now he is living with Eli, and so she forfeited that. And I thought about Abraham. When Abraham gave his son Isaac to the Lord, and then after that experience, Abraham went home with Isaac. Hannah gave her son to the Lord, and she went home alone. But she persevered. Mary persevered, the mother of Jesus, at considerable cost. You think about Mary, and there was her reputation. She was pregnant and not married. Can you imagine the tongues wagging in the community? She probably lost her reputation as a result. Everything about the story of the birth of Jesus suggests that she and Joseph were poor. I mean, when Jesus was born, he was not born in Baptist Hospital at Bethlehem. He was born in a cave. They were poor. And when they dedicated Jesus, the Scripture says that they gave a pair of turtle doves, which was the offering of poor people. So when I look at this mother, Mary, and her husband, Joseph, she persevered in her commitment, though it was difficult. She probably raised Jesus as a widower. It's expected by some. You see, Joseph is not mentioned after Jesus was 12 years old. We don't read about Joseph anymore. And that has caused some Bible scholars to conclude that Joseph probably died. And if he died, that means from the time Mary was in her late 20s, mid to late 20s, that she would have raised Jesus as a widow. And so that was also difficult. And then she saw her son as he was arrested, as he was beaten, as he was crucified. She watched him die. But she persevered. Mothers persevere. Mothers do. They persevere. And you know, as I know, that motherhood is not the most admired profession in our society. It ought to be, but it isn't. Tony Campalo tells about his wife, who is a Ph.D. She has the capability of having a profitable career and so forth. And, but she elected to stay home and take care of the kids. She was going to be a stay-at-home mom, raise her children. And she said when they would go to social events and so forth, people would meet her and they would ask the question, Now, what do you do? And she would say, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm raising my children. And she said they would say, oh, and then they would turn and talk with someone else. So after a while, she began responding when asked, what do you do? She would say, I'm socializing two homo sapiens in Judeo-Christian values, so they'll appropriate the eschatological values of utopia. What do you do? It's not always easy, but mothers persevere. Mothers persevere during difficult times. I read about Jerry Clowers, or heard, I guess I heard the story. Jerry Clowers had told he was at a football game. His son was the kicker on the football team. And they had positioned themselves for field goal, and his son kicked the, the ball and, and missed. And there was a guy up there who had been yelling close to Jerry, and he'd been yelling at the team and so forth. He said, who is that kicker? He couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And he goes on, and Jerry goes up to him and says, you better be glad I'm a Christian. He said, why is that? He said, because if I were not a Christian, you'd be a dead man right now. That's my son. 
Well, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, men say things like that. Women will do it. <laughs> Women, mothers persevere under difficult times. Another thing is that I see that mothers prepare their children for life. Jochebed was a mentor to her son. Look at verse number 11. Now, it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. How did he know that was his brethren? I mean, he was raised as an Egyptian. He was raised in the palace. He was educated in Egypt. How did he know that the Hebrews were his brothers? His mother had taught him. When he was being raised by his mother as his nurse, she had taught him who he was. Mothers, mentor your children. Do you understand the tremendous influence you have in their lives? I know a lot of times it seems like they pay no attention to you. But do you know how much influence you have on them? There were four pastors talking one time, and they were discussing their favorite translation of the Bible. One of them said, my favorite translation is the King James Version. He said, I, I love the beauty of the language. And the other one said, well, my favorite is the New American Standard because it is closest to the original in translation. The third said, well, my favorite is the NIV because it's easy to read and easy to understand. And the fourth said, my favorite translation is my mother's translation. And they said, well, I didn't know your mother had translated the Bible. To which he replied, yes, she translated it into life. And it was the most convincing translation I've ever seen. Mothers, you have tremendous influence on your children. You're not perfect, but they know that. See, I went for a period of time thinking that I was supposed to be perfect and my children thought I was. I blew that early. They know that I'm not perfect. Your children know that you're not perfect. But you have great influence on them. Mothers give identity to their children. Dave Thomas, founder of Wendy's, wrote, What I remember most about my baptism was that my grandma Minnie made it happen. For her, Christianity meant more than the doctrine you talked about on Sunday. It meant teaching her grandson about faith. And mothers, you largely are the ones who plant the seeds of faith within your children. And that, that was true with Timothy. It was his mother and his grandmother who planted those seeds of faith in his life and uh, taught him to, to value the Word of God. Miles, one of the greatest things you'll do is to teach your children to value the Word of God. Last Sunday evening, we were having the, uh, the Awana Awards celebration here at the church. I am absolutely astounded by these children. Some of them who have learned more than a hundred verses of Scripture. I mean, putting the Word of God in their lives, teaching them to value Scripture. Moms, you can do that. Teach your children to value the Word of God. Teach them the importance of faith. That's what, that's what the grandmother and mother of Timothy did. Paul said, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, 
which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Isn't that a wonderful thing to say? Timothy, I know that you're a man of faith. I know that you're a man of faith. It was first in your grandmother and it was in your mama, and they put it in you. They planted those seeds of faith in Timothy. Well, what do mothers give to their children? Identity. Mothers teach us who we are. And I'm sure that you, like my mother used to say, when I would go somewhere, don't forget who you are. They teach us who we are. Mothers teach us where we came from. They give us heritage. And moms, let me encourage you to talk about the heritage of your child. I mentioned a while ago about the Clarks and, and uh, that Barry had been Jesus, and now William is Jesus in there. And, and now, you know, got another one there, but I think that's a heritage. I mean, when you're talking about your heritage, not just a heritage that we have three generations that graduated from the University of South Carolina, but talk about your spiritual heritage. That your mama knew the Lord. That your grandmother knew the Lord. That your great-grandmother was committed to the Lord. But you give them heritage. Give them the heritage that is spiritual. What do mothers give to their children? Identity, who we are. Heritage, where we came from and purpose, why we're here. Moms, you can give them a sense of purpose. That God created them. And God placed them here for purpose. And you can help them find that purpose for their lives. Abraham Lincoln credited his mother for who he became. He said that he remembered as a boy when his mother would read the Bible to him and she had prayed for him and so forth. The last words she spoke to him are these. I'm going away from you, Abraham, and I shall not return. I know you will be a good boy. I want you to live as I have taught you to love your heavenly Father and to keep his commandments. And he promised that he would. Mothers have changed. They always do. You may not be like everyone else. That's okay. You don't have to be like Aunt B. Be who God made you to be. Protect your children. Prepare or persevere in your commitment to the Lord. And prepare them for life. That's what you can give your children. Let's bow our heads together. Perhaps today... This would be the time that the Lord would call on you to make a commitment to Him. To trusting Jesus as Savior. Perhaps some of you young people, it's uh, not necessarily young, but maybe for some of you, today it is an answer of a mother's prayer. She prayed for your salvation for a long time. Today would you commit to Christ? If you're looking for a church home to raise your family, our doors open. We'd love to have you. Our gracious Father and God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will move in our midst.
speak to hearts, draw people to Jesus in whose name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with me as we stand together. The choir sings as they sing. You come making your commitment. I'll greet you as you do.